and welcome to A Problem Squared, the podcast equivalent of a hot dog, in that it's satisfying, but should only be consumed as part of a balanced and well-informed diet. It can also get a bit messy if its sources are inaccurate. Yes. The bun in this analogy is your host, Matt Parker, who holds everything together and is very long and surprisingly high in sugar. (laughs) Oh, I just measure my height in sugar cubes. If we were to measure you in sugar, it would be surprisingly high. (laughs) Are you saying I'm, I'm sweeter than people expect? Is that the angle you're going for? You know, like normally people say that about mean people. Oh, they're sweeter than you expect. Well, I have got resting sarcasm voice. Which can be a problem. <laughs> Where if I say, I say most things, I'm like, Beck, that That's... was just what a, a great introduction. It's so true. Like, it's so true. I need to be careful because if I just state a fact, I sound sarcastic. And so I'm aware. There have been multiple times where I've thought that you were taking the mickey and uh, you've been like, no, I'm genuinely impressed by something you've done. Exactly, like, exactly. Oh, just let me have this one, Matt. And you're like, I'm trying really hard. <laughs> so I will accept uh, sweeter than people expect. I mean, you're not now because you've ruined my intro. <laughs> <laughs> the bun in this analogy is your host, Matt Parker, holds everything together, is very long and sarcastic. And I'm your other host, Beck Hill. The ketchup, by no means the star of the show, but without me, the whole thing can get a bit dry. Just <laughs> Matt's, Matt, uh, for, uh, uh, for the listeners, Matt just stared at me blankly while slow clapping. It was impressive. <laughs> no, I meant that genuinely. Okay. <laughs> In today's episode, I answer the question of can you have the same offspring twice? We answer the question, doors or wheels? And we've got some podcast recommendations, which is the answer to a problem that was sent in. And then so many other business. Matt, before I ask you how you are, uh, yep. we've had some lovely reviews. Thank you to oh. everyone who sends us in reviews as Thank well. You. We really appreciate it. Some more five stars. These are very helpful for making sure that other people find and listen to this podcast. But I wanted to highlight this review from Phil Chater, who made that headline, Beck Hill's incredible, and the maths dude isn't too shabby either. Waiter. <laughs> you got real resting sarcasm review there, Phil. <laughs> and that's just the title to his I review. I think Phil felt sorry for me. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, Phil then doesn't expand on that any further. Phil then says, if you only get to listen to one podcast this month, you probably should learn to manage your time better. Failing that, give a problem squared a listen. Oh, opens with a joke. Yeah. And closes. Uh, It's entertainment and education in one show. Ding. There are two things I love about this. Insulting me aside. (laughs) One is everyone's just putting ding in their reviews, which makes no sense to anyone who has not yet listened to the podcast. But (laughs) hopefully that's intriguing. And uh, we seem to have strayed into, and this is becoming a theme in the reviews, that they are complimenting one of us and insulting the other. Yeah, how how uh, major can we go with this? You need to you need to subtly compliment one of us and insult the other, right? For nothing that's going to get have us. Have to you know, start banned. recording people. <laughs> Matt, how have you been? You know what, Beck? 
I have been, well, a little bit sad. Why have you been Because sad? you, you mm. were unable to join. I know. Myself and my dear wife at an event that we were looking forward to immensely. Yes, that I invited you to. That you invited, you got us invited to this event. Mm. And um, do you want to tell all the listeners why you were unable to join us? I, uh, I got COVID. I got COVID from my stupid husband. Yeah, we're skipping ahead to the how are you back section. Yeah, I am, I am still, I am covid I will try my best not to cough during yeah. the record, but if I sound a bit off, that is why. Yeah. That's your dedication to the podcast. Mm. I was like, no, Beck, we'll take, we'll, we'll skip an episode. And you're like, the listeners <laughs> depend on us. Exactly. But it does mean for our Patreon listeners, I'm a wizard will be coming out in the next episode. Yes. We've delayed everything apart from this one episode. Because they yeah. figured that's, um, let's not push it. So, yeah, I couldn't make the event. I was gutted. I was very, I called you as soon as I got yeah, the invite to this it. event and said, if I can get you guys in, will you come? You did. And you, and you guys, you, you had theater tickets that night and you canceled. I re, I rescheduled our theater trip to do the event. Oh, and even our producers now screaming, what was the event? And we haven't said <laughs> what it was. It was a deeply, deeply ridiculous Silly event. <laughs> no, it was high gonna, class and highbrow, gonna... and I shan't hear anything no, it, worse. It, 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 <laughs> I was there, Beck. It was deeply ridiculous, but I had a fantastic time. So, even without you, who knows if you and your stupid husband have been able to come <laughs> along? Who knows the giddy heights of fun we would have had? Even even missing you, we still had a great time. Well, I've been letting you just say it, Matt. Now you're driving me crazy. Okay. So, so we were at the launch event for a new season of a reality TV show. And some people may watch this. I suspect not many, but there is a show called Below Deck, <laughs> which is a reality TV show where they follow super yachts. Oh, our producer is losing her mind in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it, Lauren, that you watch Below Deck. We, we did not warn her we we're going to be discussing this in the episode today. So they follow super yachts. And part of the episode is following the crew who work on the super yacht. And part of the episode is following the rich people who have chartered the super yacht. And they have different people each time. And uh, reality show shenanigans go from there basically is that is that an accurate summary beck i mean it's the sort of summary that i think would speak most to our listeners <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. It's, yeah it's it's ridiculous tv and they had a series set like in the uh, caribbean and then they had a spin-off series set in the mediterranean and we were there at the launch of below deck down under which also that's kind of like a uh, that's that's like the opposite of an oxymoron, isn't it? It's two of the same thing. It's even further below, below deck. deck and down under. It should be down. It should be down yes. under below deck. Is what it should be called. I think we're in the ocean at this point. Under if we're down hull. under, being below deck, you're right. Do lows and down unders? Do they it's add in or do they multiply? That's my question. We're in the hull, right? So they've obviously thought we've got to do the UK version of an Aussie show launch. We need. 
like the rent rent an Aussie crowd. We need all the Australians who are going to come and love this show. And so they went to TV's Beckhill. Yeah. Who then I like invited to think influencers. The internet. Yeah. You influence things and people. I mean, electric sleeping bags, those sales have yeah. just, you know, <laughs> they're heating up. Whereas uh, you then invited the internet's Matt Parker. Yes. And then you neglected to show up. So I, d- I did not neglect. I, think I was so sad about not going to the point that poor Gav was genuinely like going through some real guilt feelings because he knew how much I was looking forward to going to below deck and because he'd tested positive because I actually got COVID like technically the day after the event, but he'd tested positive. Yeah. And so we were like, let's, yeah, let's not, I don't want to be a wang. (laughs) I will, I will stay home even though I really wanted <laughs> yeah. to go. And then I felt actually better about the no, fact that did. I got COVID because the next day I was like, oh, that's it. I've got it. I've, I've tested positive. Uh, I would have felt really awful if I'd gone and then tested positive the next day and known that I could have given it to other people. So, yeah, I really wanted to go. So we had a great time. <laughs> they had free cocktails and they had free... Vegemite and cheese on toast. Oh my goodness. The only people who could stomach it, and I say people, it was just me, were those <laughs> with a very high tolerance for Vegemite and a very keen instinct for free food. So you're actually surprisingly high in salt rather than sugar now. Yeah, I, I am. I was definitely <laughs> high in yeast extract <laughs> and salt. And so I had, I had more cheese and Vegemite on toast than I think I've ever had in one sitting. <laughs> previously i was standing but you get the idea to the point where the wait staff were like hey if you want anything just let us know we'll grab it from the kitchen for you like <laughs> if no one else was there for the free food it turns out <laughs> and even if they would they couldn't stomach it so yeah so i i had a direct line to the kitchen i was like just keep it coming and i stole you a goodie bag what and i've got it right here so here it ready here's your goodie bag it's oh got, my gosh, it's, got, it's like uh, a proper beach bag. On the front, yeah, on the front it says below deck, and on the back it says primary charter guest. <gasps> so there you are. Oh, Matt. If you want socks that say below deck, you're, you're in luck. I do. Grab those, where are they? Well, here you go. There we are, there we are. There's your below deck socks. There's a hat. I don't know why the hat, the brand <laughs> of the hat is Budgie Smuggler. <laughs> And I don't. Is it the brand or is it a phrase? <laughs> if it's the phrase, I think they're insulting us. Now, there are two things that I think are the peak of the bag, and I'm going to show them the one I think you're going to enjoy more, followed by the one I'm going to enjoy more. Okay. Full packet of Tim Tams. Oh, amazing. So I don't know how they did that, but Beck, these are, you get your full packet of Tim Tams and jar of Vegemite. <gasps> Yes, I don't have any Vegemite at the moment. Which I'm super excited because I ran out literally two days before we went to this party. I finished my stock of Vegemite because it's been so long since I last got to Australia. I've not managed to stock up on my catering-sized Vegemite. And I'm going back in about a month. And suddenly the universe gave me a tiny jar of Vegemite to tide me over. 
I also just need to point out for the listeners that the jar that Matt is holding is not tiny. It is like a standard jar of Vegemite. It's tiny. Matt no, gets it's such really, big like, jars normally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't be buying these on the regular. Come on. So I fly, <laughs> I fly back with a few of the big ones in my case. So, Beck, next time we do an in-person recording, I will hand over swag um, bag. this, this free, free swag bag. Yeah. Okay, Matt, this problem comes from Andrew Smith, who says, So I was driving in my car today and had the following thought. What are the odds of having the same child twice? Not twins. Giving birth to a child, getting pregnant, then having the exact yeah. same child again. I'm guessing they mean like just genetically. Uh, by the same parents. And they said it's in, infinitesimal. That's how you pronounce that, isn't it? I don't know. Tismal. Infinitely small. Infinitesimal. <laughs> That's it. It's infinite semile. <laughs> but how much so compared to other infinite semile <laughs> unlikely occurrences? All right. So they're right to rule out twins because identical twins are identical. They have the same DNA, let's say. And I need to just warn everyone. I am a mathematician about to just go blundering into biology. And as has previously been established, biology is a mess. No <laughs> one's sure of anything. Everything has exceptions. I get upset. However, I have done my best to wade through the biological chaos and work out the probability that instead of having twins, where you start with like one egg that's been fertilized, so it's got all its chromosomes. And then it duplicates into two. So that's where you start with one, you know, potential human. And then very early on, it splits into two identical humans, right? That's a whole separate thing. Mm -hmm. And non-identical twins, that's just where you had two humans at mm -hmm. the same time. This case, you have a human and then you have another identical human. Because to make that first human, you're combining the genetic information of two humans and you're shuffling it around and putting it together. But there's only a certain amount of genetic information to start with. And there's only a certain number of ways you can combine it. So two people who are going to produce a child, there's only a finite number of possible humans they can produce. You say only. Well, for, for one definition of only. Why do I get the feeling that this is going to involve an exclamation mark? Both literally and punctuationally, <laughs> there will be, and by literally, I mean, as there's some factorials. It's a big old number, just as a heads up. However, we're going to have to make a bunch of approximations along the way. And so I just want to say, before we go anywhere, I will occasionally say things like, I'm ignoring mutations or I'm not worrying about, you know, this situation or that situation. And, and that's because all I want to get to is kind of the rough size of the number. I want to know roughly how many distinct humans can a pair of humans create with their DNA. Yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff I'm just going to rule out because it doesn't make a big difference. And I thought I'd actually start just by establishing it's okay to do that. By looking, first of all, at, let's say I was asked a much easier question, which was, what's the probability of winning the lottery in the UK at the moment? And I can calculate that mm -hmm. because there are 59 possible numbers you can pick. 
you choose six of them, and I can work out how many ways there are to do that. So I'm just working out the combinatorics. How many ways can you choose six numbers from 59? And then that gives us the probability. And actually, there are 45 million, roughly, just over 45 million possible ways you can choose six numbers out of 59 possible numbers. But let's say, oh, and the probability, by the way, is a 0 0.000022 percent. Very small. Five zeros percent. and then yeah. two two percent. Tiny. But let's say along the way, while I'm working it out, for, for strange reasons, I go, I go, oh, you know what? I'm going to ignore all the options, which are all square numbers. You know, I just can't be bothered including them. Yeah, they're legitimate lottery yeah. tickets, but just to make the math yeah. easier, I'm going to ignore them. And people are getting up in arms and they're like, how you can't ignore them. They're, they're real options. Well, that changes the probability from being five zeros to two one nine three nine percent to being five zeros to two one nine three nine percent. It's identical, you know, just because I ruled out those options. Right. Even if I said I'm going to ignore all the tickets, which are all odd numbers, it's still five zeros two two percent. It hasn't changed. Even if I say I'm going right. to ignore all the lottery tickets that have a seven on them, the number seven, which is a lot, over half a million, it's still five zeros, two percent. A little bit different. Wow. It's instead of being two, two, it's two, five. So that changes it a little bit. Ooh. Doesn't change the... Hey, you round up, exactly. get that one to a three. But, but if you round them both, they're the same. So the, the point is... <laughs> if all you care about is the rough answer or even a very accurate answer, you can still ignore a lot along the way. So I'm going to be ignoring a lot along the way. So things like mutations and whatnot, they're all, <laughs> all going right. to go. Okay. Just thought I'd, I thought I I'd overemphasize I mean, that. You have just likened people to the lottery, but. Same thing. What's being born if not <laughs> winning the lottery? I'm not going to oversimplify though, because at a very, very simple level, when two humans want to make a new human, they've uh, each got cells that have... Are you giving me the talk? I'm giving you the talk. You know, we ha we sometimes have young listeners. It's the bits, the bits and the bees. So a human has a cell with 23 pairs of chromosomes. So you got, you got 46 chromosomes in total, but they're in pairs. Mm -hmm. So you got redundancy, which is very useful. So if anything goes wrong, you got backup genes, basically. So when your cells decide to, and I'm not going to use, there's lo, like biologists have named every single step and part of this. So there's a name for the cell when it's got all the pairs. There's a different name when they're separated. There's a different, I mean, there's a big difference between naming things and knowing what's going on. And they've done a lot of naming things. But you start <laughs> with the 23 pairs, your body splits them apart, and then has to pick one of the two to put in the reproductive cell. So you, you're making a sperm or you're making a cell. They only have single chromosomes. They don't have pairs. And so you, your cell basically takes each of the pairs and is like, do I put in this one or this one? Uh, this one. And then they get the next pair. Uh, this one or this one, that one, right? And then they go through all 23 of them and they pick one from each pair and put it in. I just need to explain for the listeners that every time Matt says this one or this one, he's like weighing them up in his hand. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like he's a little character. I'm the oh, selector this one or this one? enzyme? Or I don't know, right? You, 
But also your weighing up looks a bit like someone milking a cow. <laughs> it's not dissimilar. Yeah. Or someone choosing which udder to milk. This one or this one? Oh, this one. This one. And so if you just run the numbers on that, the number of ways you can choose one of the chromosomes from each of the 23 pairs is 2 to the power of 23, which is just over 8 million. It's 8,388,608. So if you start with a single human cell and you choose one chromosome from each pair, you've got just over 8 million possible, like either eggs or sperm that you can make by choosing those combinations. You've then got the other human doing the same thing. So they've got another just over 8 million possible cells that they can produce. And then you've got all the possible ways to combine all of those. Just to get an analogy going in my head. Yep. If I went to a popular sandwich chain restaurant. Yep, gotcha. And they only gave me two choices each time. So they were yep. like, what bread do you want? Whole meal or white? Yep, And two then options. I chose one. Yep. And then they were like, you know, chicken or tofu. And then they were like, you know, lettuce or spinach. Yep. Uh, high Ch sugar bun, low sugar bun. Swiss. Yeah, all the way down. Yeah, high in salt, high in sugar, <laughs> long. Yeah. A little bit of Vegemite, yeah. too much Vegemite. They're all your options. Yeah. <laughs> and if there were 23 of those steps, yeah. there are just over 8 million possible sandwiches you could walk away with. Amazing. And that's not including, but you, you have to have, you have to make a choice of each one, right? You can't yes, have a missing have one. To, there's no null option. You've got to have one of every single one. We're ignoring all the perfectly oh, valid oh, yeah, 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 fringe right. cases. Very valid. Yeah. Exactly. But... We're just trying to get a headline yeah. stat across the total number. But now you've got two people, because I, I hate to have the talk, but two people both buy a sandwich, and then they put their mm -hmm. sandwiches together. And because there's 8 mm -hmm. million sandwiches the first person can have, there are 8 million distinct sandwiches the second person can have. There are now 8 million mm -hmm. squared sandwich combinations where people mush their sandwiches together. Yeah, like a double-decker sandwich. To make a new sandwich. Like a double-decker sandwich. If that was the whole story, then a pair of humans could produce just over 70 trillion possible distinct humans. 70 trillion, 368 million and a few possible humans. That's a... Which is... That's a lot of baby showers. It's a lead, yes. But we are just talking about the same two people, right? We're not... Yes, saying but... Saying that someone on the planet might have the same kid as... To no, other people no, on no, the no. planet. What it means is that if two humans have a, have a child, mm. first of all, that's one of those 70 trillion possible kids, and then they have a second mm. one, there's a one in 70 trillion yeah. chance they have yeah. the same kid again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so every time, every time a family has two kids, there's a one in 70 trillion they have a match. But now you think, what if there's been 70 trillion human families or breeding pairs in existence who've been that, alive exactly the then suddenly it's more likely than not and again there's some more complicated maths going on here that it's on the same order of the possible number of human pairs that there might have been or will be in the future of the human species or is it like is it the murphy that's the monty it's hall, the monty hall problem it's so, not the monty hall problem no there's no yeah yeah no. okay Every time in this show, it's not like the chances. No, you always win a kid. It's not, okay. You don't get a sports car occasionally. I'd like to point out that's a very funny pun involving the word kid. Anyway, 
It is good. Thank you. It's very good. Uh, so good, I thought I would underline it because that makes it funnier. <laughs> so, now the reason I'm being a bit vague is I didn't bother carrying on the exact calculations. I went, I got, I got, I did this, you know, the rough approximation, got 70 million possible humans per pair of humans. And I was like, oh, that's weird because that's not far off the number of humans there are or will be, etc. However, I knew in my limited biological knowledge that is not the whole story because your cells don't just choose between the two possible chromosomes. What they do is, first of all, they duplicate them all. So they've got twice as many as they need. There's now two copies of everything that was already in pairs. So actually there's like technically four of each one, but two identical pairs, that pair. And then they take one of each of those and they do a crossover. So it's like in the sandwich version, if they're like, do you want the whole meal or the plain bun? The white bread, yeah. You can actually choose. I want, I actually want, I want the first, I want the first 10 centimeters of the whole meal and then I want you to cut it and then I want the rest of the white after that. Yeah, half and half. Yeah, half and half. So they cut both the buns and then swap the ends over. Mm -hmm. What actually happens in your cell, give or take, complicated enzymes and all those things, two of the strands of the DNA kind of cross over each other. Oh, yeah. And then they re they cut and separate at the crossover point. And it can happen more than once. So you can have zero crossovers. You can have one. You can have two. You can have, a, it seems, up to four. And there's some complex biology going on where it's not totally random. Like, you won't have, like, arbitrary crossovers. But also, you'll always have one or two. You, you don't often have none because it's a really useful way to shuffle the genes around by mixing and matching across the chromosomes. Suddenly, you have a lot more options. So is this where recessive genes comes from? Recessive genes comes from the fact that, and that would happen in the simplified version, you get you get pairs of genes, one from one parent, one from the other mm -hmm. parent. And if they've all got duplicate genes on them, and so if one of them is faulty or uh, you've got the backup one, or if one of them is dominant, it will overpower the other one. Mm -hmm. And that's the recessive one. If you have two recessives, there's no dominant one, Gotcha. you know, shout over them. And so they get mm -hmm. to do a thing, which is why it's called 23 and me, not 46 and you us. Know, us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, because we ha you have technically got 46 chromosomes, but they're all paired up. Gotcha. And the pairs are, you Oh, know, yeah. Like how you would say, I've got other, 23 they do the same pairs job. of socks. You don't say, I've got 46 socks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But in this case, the socks aren't identical, but they do the, the equivalent job to the other one in the pair. And so, if one sock's got a hole in it, you can wear. The other one. I think that works. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And what about a crossover? Is that when you've got odd socks? A crossover is where you take, you cut the end off two socks and swap them over. So they still match. They still match. They still do the same things, but now you'll swap them over. And there's, oh, there's, there's, I don't want to get too distracted in how and why cells do this, but it's a very clever way that you duplicate and then you cross the non-duplicate chromosomes. So let's say you've got pair of chromosomes. So you've got A and B, 
Mm-hmm. You duplicate both of them. So now you've got AA and BB. All right. So I got a pair of socks and then I duplicate those. Yep. Yep. And then you leave one A and B alone effectively and you cross the other A and B and then you partner them up with the one that wasn't crossed. So you've got the best way of shuffling around the genes. It's super clever. Okay. But being biology, there's no clear, here's how many different sites there can be a crossover event, right? There's just like, eh, it happens a bunch and it happens normally four or fewer, normally one or more, but then it starts to get a bit vague. And so what I did was, first of all, I found out it happens on average once every 100,000 base pairs of DNA. So the longer your chromosome, the more likely you are to get a crossover, which makes sense. The longer your socks. And I've, the longer the sock, the more likely you're going to cross over. But because it can happen more than once, you might cut the toe off and then swap that, but then cut it again near the heel and then swap again. So you you can have multiple swaps on the same sock Mm -hmm. chromosome. But the longer it is, the more likely you are to have multiple swaps. Mm -hmm. And you tend to do a swap for every 100 million stitches, base pairs, in the sock chromosome. <laughs> but you can have more, you can have fewer. So what I've done is I've, I've oh, okay, bear with me here. I've taken all 23 possible chromosomes that humans have. 24, actually, because I had to deal with the X and Y separate. Oh, and me. 24 and yours. That's what it should be called. Yeah. <laughs> I've then assumed an upper bound of the number of possible crossover events at one per 50 million base pairs as because I, I just want to have the range of what could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. And so this means the shorter ones have one and the longer ones can have up to five. So I, I'm just trying to cover every possible option. And then I've worked out how many ways there can be zero crossover events, which is one. How many ways there can be two crossover events? How many ways there can be three for up to however many the maximum number is? And I've assumed the crossover of points are always between the genes that are on the chromosomes. So your chromosomes are basically the DNA is a series of genes which encode for making one or more proteins. And so I've assumed the crossovers happen between those. Not a biologist. That seems to be the way it works. People, please correct me if I'm wrong. So what it means is, let's say, what's your favorite favorite human chromosome? They're, they're numbered. So I'm asking you, what's the number between 1 and 24? 7. 7. The seventh chromosome is just over 159 million base pairs. So that 159 million, you know, A, G, Ts, etc. It contains 989 working genes, which means there's 988 places between them where you could have a crossover event. Oh my goodness. And it's long enough that there's going to be up, there could be none, there could be like, there could be zero, there could be one, there could be two, there could be three crossover events in the extreme. There's probably only going to be one or two, but it means you can go through and calculate the number of possible ways that those combinations can happen. And if you add up the number of ways you can have zero, which is one, 
The number of ways you can have one, number of ways you can have two, you can have three. You then go to grand total. There are 161,227,770 ways you can have crossover events to mix and match chromosome number seven. Oof. And I've done that for every single chromosome. Mm-hmm. And then I've gone through and combined them all to work out the number of possible reproductive cells that you can produce, assuming every possible crossover event. And if you are starting with an XX configuration, there's three times 10 to the 166 possible cells you can produce. If you're starting with an XY configuration, because the Y is a bit smaller than the X, you've got, a, you've got fewer, there's uh, two times 10 to the 160. Now, these are outrageously big numbers. So for the XX starting position, it's three followed by 166 more digits. So the number, <laughs> the number is 166 digits long. It's just ridiculous because you still got to combine one sperm with one egg and then you combine them to work out how many possible options there are. And again, that varies depending on if you're getting an XX or an XY at the other end, but they're both on the order of a number with over 300 digits in it. Just stupidly big numbers. Mm. And there are other complications in reproduction that I haven't even factored in. These are just crazy, crazy big. And Andrew Smith did say, is there a way to compare that to other infinite simali unlikely occurrences? So here's, here's the crazy thing. The probability of having one child and then having another identical child is so unlikely, it's the equivalent of out of the entire observable universe, <laughs> picking out a single proton and going, oh, that's cool. Mixing it back into the observable universe and then choosing another single proton at random and getting the same one again, purely by coincidence. And in fact, doing that four times. So are you saying that it's more likely that someone will pick up a grain of sand and then the next day, like, Pick up a grain of Pick sand the same and it's grain the exact same grain. Yep. And do that three more times. So you've done it four times in total. It's more likely they will do that than yep. have the same child twice. Correct. It's because combinatorics, once you start combining things, the number gets real big real fast. That's... And so it's, it's not going to happen is the short <laughs> answer. <laughs> like there is a chance, but it's, it's so ridiculously slim. That it's basically impossible. I mean, the, the, mathematically, though, it's still finite. There's still only a certain number of humans, distinct humans that two humans can produce. And I've not gone into any of the way genes are expressed. And, you know, are we just talking humans or who are indistinguishable to our human perception? Uh, uh, like, Biology is a mess. I've taken the problem as stated to be the equivalent of identical twins, which means the chromosomes are all the same. And in that, it is, it is one in 10 to the power of 333. And that is just ridiculously unlikely. 
I'm, I prefer the term slim possible. I think we should make that a thing. It's slim possible. It is impossible, but there's a slim chance, but it's impossible. It's slim possible. I will just say for everyone who's like, there's no way that probably having the same human is less likely than finding the same proton in the universe. The difference is in one case, you're just trying to find a single thing. In the other case, you're looking at not even pairs of things, but incredible overlapping combinations of things Mm. and combinations just get so big so fast but yet intuitively we're like but the universe is so big i'm like yeah but combinatorics like can be even bigger do you know what's amazing is that and i know it's different but despite all those despite how slim possible it is yeah how you can still have two separate kids that look heaps the same (laughs) oh yeah yeah actually andrew did I have another question about how percentage overlap, you, how similar siblings can be. But the genetics just gets so crazy mm. that the way you go from your DNA and your genes to your human is not a nice, crisp mathematical calculation that I can crunch. And uh, you're absolutely right. You, you'd be amazed how similar siblings or even people in different you know, generations can be. Because, you know, humans, humans, man, humans. I, I, um, I mean, I, my head's, to be fair, with COVID, I, my head is already blown. <laughs> but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I am very impressed. So I. Yeah. From my angle, I'm giving it a D. Our next problem, which has been sent in by everyone, is are there more wheels or more doors in the world? Apparently everyone's asking this question. Everyone's definitely been asking us. So, Beck, wheels or doors? Uh, I got doors. Oh, me too. Excellent. Doors it is. Ding. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Now, Beck, we have a, a dinglet, a mini problem. And this was sent in by Ava on the problem posing page at a problemsquared.com who says that a problem squared is the first podcast they've listened to regularly and they've discovered they really like the format. Well, that's nice. Uh, they want to listen to more. However, they don't know how to find more good ones like other podcasts. So they're asking, here we go. Do you have any recommendations for other fun and nerdy podcasts? I do actually. Good. One is called a podcast of unnecessary detail. Oh, that rings. I don't a, know if you've heard of it, Matt. Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I hear they're also afflicted by having and some mass guy. But other than that, <laughs> it's quite a great podcast. Not too shabby though. Not too shabby. <laughs> I tell you what, I I've been listening to it, but it does weird me out when I hear you saying hello at like as if you're just introducing our podcast. I feel like I get and a, suddenly you're like, oh. Yeah, it I, I meant to be at work. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh no, I'm, I haven't prepared. <laughs> but that's not the problem. The problem is what part. So, uh, a podcast of unnecessary <laughs> detail. Recommend that. While we're plugging it, we're just about our second series of a podcast of unnecessary detail, which, just in case people aren't aware, I do with Helen Arnie and Steve Mould, uh, Festival of the Spoken Nerd. We are knowing as collectively, and season two out soon. Yeah. So yeah. If you enjoy this, check that out. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not as good, but sure, go check it out. It's not as good. Not nearly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Other nerdy podcasts, uh, Science Versus, big fan of that one. If you haven't listened to it, it's just oh, Science VS. Uh, it's hosted by another Aussie, Wendy Zuckerman. They did a brilliant episode uh, recently about the Joe Rogan um, interview with uh, uh, regarding vaccinations and everything like that. So that was absolutely ah. fascinating. But it's a really, really solid podcast at Science Versus. Uh, I also recommend Mathematical Objects, which is hosted by a, a friend of ours, mathematical friend of ours, Katie Steckles yep. and uh, Peter Rowlett. I am on an Peter episode yep. either now or coming out soon. If anyone wants to hear me talk about whether a joke can be counted as a mathematical formula. Yeah, people show up, talk about an object. Progressively yeah. less and less strict definition of the word object. Yes, yeah. Mine was far more conceptual. Another one I've always been a big fan of is Reply All. Most people probably already listen to that. If you like Reply All and you wish it was nerdier, then make sure you check out the Darknet Diaries. Some really fascinating stuff there about programming, coding, hacking, all that sort of thing. Very interesting. And one that isn't as nerdy, but I thoroughly recommend, and I would love so much if everyone that listens to this suddenly went and listened to it, uh, is a show called The Dream Factory. If you like all the puns that we do on this show and you're like, I would like that, but with none of the learning. <laughs> um, the Dream Factory <laughs> is really adorable. It's two lovely guys. People tweet them pun-based movie titles. I think one that I sent them recently was The King Kongsman. The, the Fast and the Spurious, that kind of thing. Yeah, they love that stuff. Yeah. So Ah, there you go. People send them stuff I like would that. watch The Fast and the Spurious. Okay, well, what we'll do is we'll, I'll tweet it to them. I'll say that you've mentioned right. it. And uh, see if they can, basically they come up with what they think that film is. And it's just them oh, great. having a little uh, think about what they think the films are. It's really enjoyable. It's very pleasant. I think it's PG. I don't recall hearing them swear, but don't, you know, don't uh, quote me on that. But I, uh, I, it's one of those podcasts that I can recommend, a comedy podcast I can recommend that I don't believe will offend anyone. I, yeah. I think for any media we mention or recommend in this show... Legal guardians to just have a quick check themselves before they pass them on to any offspring. Yes, absolutely. But I, I highly recommend, yeah, The Dream Factory. Go, go, everyone go and listen. That's a good list, Beck. And given all they ever said is, do you have any recommendations? They didn't make any comment about the quality or if they will enjoy them or not. Well, they said but fun and nerdy. Well, you think they're fun and nerdy and you <laughs> recommended them. I mean, there, there you are. That's a problem solved. Ding. Yay. It is any A, O, other businesses, B. A, O, B. Excellent. So first up with uh, any other businesses is, 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 is uh, um, a pudding squared. We were going to go through the answer today, uh, but because of my limited brain capacity you've been ill everything yeah. being filled with phlegm um <clears throat> just a little gargle for proof there um we uh we're, we're going to give the answer to a pudding squared in the next episode this time however we will pass on a ding to beck dennis 
who asked about the food packaging, has come back with, wow, Beck, you went so far to answer my question. Congrats on your certification. Thanks a lot for it. You definitely get an ungnidable ding. So that's like a ding backwards is a gnid and it's ungnidable. So or nid. Is it a silent G? Is it a silent G? Nid. Unnidable. We'll go with unnidable. And you can't, an unreversible ding. This ding, Dennis is committing to the ding. It cannot be knitted. So top, top work, Beck. There's your unknittable ding from Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. Although um, Chris did ask uh, on the problem posing page, uh, does counterfeiting a food naming certificate using the HTML elements count as a food crime? So there you are. If you... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I haven't done that. But if anyone else does, maybe yeah, we'll report you to the food crimes unit. Yeah, you legitimately got that qualification. <laughs> so you should defend it. Also, I just want to say that when people send us problems, so often they say such lovely things oh. to us in, in those messages. And I want everyone to know that I, like, I read them and they're really lovely and appreciate them. So uh, even if we don't get around to answering your particular problems uh thank you for keeping up the kindness and for going to the effort and time of sending us your problems we do appreciate it and uh you are you are loved and special with that in mind we're going to thank people who give us money (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) including on our list of random patreon supporters this time phil chapman jacob faber kevin davis Thank you very much to you and the rest of our Patreon supporters. And of course, a huge thank you to everyone who listens and tells all their friends. All of, all of that stuff. Thank you. We, we appreciate every single one of you. I'm going to go back to bed. Problem Squared has been brought to you by me, Beck Hill, and a lot of paracetamol, Matt Parker, and our producer, Lauren armstrong Carter. I'm about to ask you mm-hmm. if what I'm showing you is your card. But before I do that, we've got an answer on why we do this. And it's so telling oh, that we didn't know why we were still doing this. But thankfully, our listeners do. Several people wrote in that it came from episode 018. Oh, yes. Someone named Red probably gave us the most accurate answer. They said it was episode 018. At 30 minutes and 26 seconds in, you were answering the problem. What's something I can say or do to make a good impression when meeting other people? And they have written out the transcript of what <laughs> happened. So, I mean, we, we good job, Red. We could just, because we could just play in that recording. But I think, you know, given that they've actually typed it all out, we should do it like a little radio play. So should we, should we recreate yeah, we should. Yeah, well, let's recreate the um origin. And, should I do an accent then? Um, you can. Yeah, you can do. I'm gonna try and do it as old time radio play. <laughs> but I well, also, I was assuming you were gonna play Beck and I was gonna play Matt. But I'm open, open to suggestions. Oh yeah, yeah. Should okay, let's swap. Roles. Okay. Why not? Oh, I regret this. Yeah, like a Freaky Friday. So I'm Beck. Oh my goodness. 
I'll try and do your sarcastic you voice. You can do resting sarcasm voice. I'm going to do more Australian voice. Okay. I think that's... Um, I, I'm not more Australian. I'm just happier. Yeah, 100%. No, we're not. We ex- well, exactly. <laughs> One of my co-workers had... Oh, hang on. Sorry. That was... I came in too strong. <laughs> too strong. I don't, I don't think you came in strong enough. <laughs> Okay, this Whatever is what happened. You're thinking, ramp it up. More, more. Okay, okay. Ready? Yeah. Uh, let me take you back to episode 018. One of my co-workers had my favorite introduction, which was that as people opened their doors, he would hold hold uh, his, his uh, Chris Knight, actually, and he's a comedian now. Um, okay, but he would have a pack of cards, and as soon as they opened the door, he would just say, is this your card? And then hold up a card. <laughs> I'm trying to do the wheeze that you do when you laugh. God. And they'd be so confused that they wouldn't slam the door in his face immediately. That is amazing. And in related news, Beck, is this your card? Ha! Matt has just held up a card and it's not, I'm afraid. Oh, hang on. I've got plenty more. <laughs> I suddenly realised... I literally had a deck of cards right next to me as you were saying that. And I was like, wow, this is never pass up a chance for unexpected physical comedy that translates well into a podcast. See, I can't tell if you're like how much of that is your impression of me and how much is just your ill. <laughs> and so... Wow, I'm Which, um, Matt does, Parker. Does bring me hello. Uh, brings me to my question though, Beck. Is this your card? Oh, Matt's just held up three cards. Yeah, and one of them is my card. <gasps> oh boy, oh boy, we're getting close. 